Welcome to Food Safety University, episode three. And today we get to interview literally my favorite guy in sanitation. Uh, he's from Rochester Midland, which is a great chemicals company. And I am proud to bring you Leon Witham for a great interview about the things you aren't actually thinking about when it comes to sanitation. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast this week, and I am so excited to have my colleague and friend, Leon Whitman, here. And rather than tell you who he is, I'm actually going to have him introduce himself because he can do a better job than I will anyway. So, Leon, take it away. Tell us who you are. So, I'm Leon Whitham. I work at Rochester Midland Company. I've been with the company for 18 years. I am what they call a senior technical specialist, uh, but on the world where I'm knocking on doors, they see me as a salesperson. Um, and our company has been around since 1888. We're family owned. We are in our, I believe our fifth generation now. And we are one of the oldest companies in the country that's still family owned manufacturing something. So we're very proud of that. Very good. I always am appreciative to talk to other people who actually manufacture stuff. They're so, there's so much in the world where they're like, no, we don't make anything anymore. But you and I, we make things. <laughs> yes. We make things. All right. Well, so you are a senior technical specialist uh, in sanitation. You know, you and I, I think we met at Preventive Controls Train the Trainer training. <laughs> um, I, yes, yes. The lead, lead instructor training at uh, URI. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. And we've, we have, I've sent several clients over to you. Um, so today we want to talk about the, you know, what I, what, what I refer to as block and tackle uh, sanitation. And when I'm working on, when I'm working with, with my clients on block and tackle stuff, um, you know, I always, I'm fond of starting with the phrase that food safety is a team sport. Uh, and so from that, maybe from that perspective, um, do you even start there? Um, and, um, who do you like to have on your sanitation team? So that's a great question. I'll back up a little bit because chemicals for food sanitation seem to be a transactional process. Someone needs a chemical, they buy a chemical. And really where we separate ourselves, Rochester Midland from a lot of other companies is that we go in with technical expertise, as you know. Um, I am an SQR practitioner, I'm HACCP certified, sustainability certified, I'm PCQI and a PCQI lead instructor. Um, and at the time when I went with you at URI, which by the way, since then I've gained a lot of uh, customers from you and I appreciate that very much because you see the value, um, is I was the only person in the world at the time, I know that Donna had mentioned that, that was actually a PCQI lead instructor. And this is where we really separate ourselves from everybody else. So you have a purchasing agent who may need to buy chemicals or a sanitation manager or a QA person needs chemicals and they just buy chemicals. And that's really where we start to get in the issues with sanitation and what we need. We really need, when we go in to see somebody, we need to see, yes, purchasing, because obviously it's a part of the equation, but we need to see the plant manager. We need to see head of quality. We need to see head of sanitation. 
because we want to talk about a full program and not just selling chemicals. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost. So what does that mean, right? Um, as you know, because you've been involved with me a little bit, um, it's we talk about training. Um, what happens now in most customers is you have QA that works first shift and second shift, and you have sanitation that works third shift. Quality is not there on third shift to see what they're doing. The production manager is not there to see what they're doing. They give them a bunch of paperwork to say, here, you need to do this stuff and check off the box. But no one's really the conduit between the sanitation team, which is the most critical thing in the company, and QA who may have wrote up the procedures. And so that's where we separate ourselves, where we understand when we go in and talk to these people is that you need someone to come in and work with your sanitation team. You need to do training. You need to do SSOP validation. And you need to have buy-in from all those other people. And if you don't have the buy-in and it's just a transactional thing, it's not going to work. Right. No. And that, I, you know, that's so interesting for you to talk about not only the broader company transaction, but the transactional nature of QA to sanitation. And I talk, I mean, I tell people that quality assurance is a sales process. Like you are extracting a price from the sanitation crew when you say you've got to leave your soap on there for seven to 12 minutes. Correct. Correct. You know what I mean? And that yeah. that's, we got to, we got to face up to that. Correct. And, and a lot of times what I've been noticing recently um, is that QA people don't stay in a position very long, which I understand and respect. They like to come in, they like to fix the problems. And after they fix the problems at this company, they're like, I'm bored. I want to go somewhere else and do it again which is perfectly fine and I understand that. But the problem is, is that sometimes that quality control person may come from a dry bakery and then goes to a meat facility and they can't transition the difference because there's a big difference, um, a total different difference of everything that's in that plant. And sometimes they struggle. Uh, the good news for me is that a lot of times those people will go from place A to place B. And when they get to B, they say, Leon, come in and help me because I don't understand help me understand what we need to do here. And the other thing that gets lost in transaction is that you can actually buy a good sanitation program, increase your shelf life. And that gets lost a lot. People don't realize that if you clean correctly or you clean better than what you're doing now, you may be able to, uh, for example, bread is a good example. Your shelf life on bread might be another 14 days. What does that mean? That means you can travel to the Midwest from the East Coast and sell out there. Um, so that's where a lot of times, you know, just talking about chemicals, it gets lost in that transition. And that's why you need to have all those people in that meeting when you first go in, because guess what? The plant manager is going to be very interested in that. Where quality control, yes, they will be interested in that, but they're not selling it, maybe trying to get to the Midwest. Uh, sanitation crew, let's be honest, they're the, <laughs> I feel bad for sanitation team because no one cares about them really, let's be honest, unless something goes wrong. And then they get the brunt of everything. Um, you know, when's the last time that a quality control person walked out on the floor at five in the morning and sanitation was walking out the door and say, you know what, you did a great job today. Fantastic. Thank you so much. It, it just doesn't happen. And I understand that. Um, and it's also because sanitation is overhead. So it's not, they don't look at it as what the cost is. They look at it as, oh, 
it's costing me X amount of dollars. And if I hire one more person, it's going to cost me X more. And that's overhead, which means my cost is going to, my profit's going to be less. And they have to start looking at that differently. That, yeah, maybe it is going to cost you a little bit more, but maybe you can start up on time. You don't have many recleans, right? I mean, how many plants have you been in where you find out that every other day they have to spend an hour while people are waiting to reclean something to start up, right? What's that cost? What's the cost of that production run? Um, it's amazing. Everyone will tell me what sanitation costs. Anybody can tell me what it costs to make something or what that machine costs, how much it can make per hour, right? It, oh, it makes $10,000 for me every hour it runs. And sanitation costs me, I don't know, $900 an hour. Okay, so wouldn't it make sense to maybe make it $920 an hour so you can get that extra $10,000 to run more? And sometimes people can't see that through the forest, right? You got to get them through there to understand that sanitation has a huge circumstances that can control your whole plan. Um, and one of the things that I noticed is that once I get into an account and I start to show them these things and um, back up a little bit, talking to the people who are watching this, when's the last time you audited your sanitation crew and how they clean? We do all kinds of audits, right? We have to do, if you're SQF, BRC, Primus, you have to do internal audits all the time, right? But when's the last time you actually did an audit for your sanitation crew and their team and what they're doing? We don't, we don't even think about it. And so when I go in and talk to a customer that first visit and I talk about that, let me come in, let me see what you're doing. Let me come in at night when they're cleaning. And the worst thing that can happen is you get a validation that your crew's doing everything right with a chemical company you have now. And if not, you're gonna get information on how you can make it better. Um, so if you get into that point where you can get through that door, it's amazing how many people will end up changing because they realize what they have now from their sanitation uh, chemical supplier is not what they should have. And as I like to say it, if you drive a Yugo all the time, you think it's a great car and I don't mean to make fun of Yugos, but then someone puts you in a Cadillac, guess what? You wish you had a Cadillac, right? But you didn't know because you never been in a Cadillac. So it's, it's kind of interesting that way of, of the process of what people don't think about with sanitation. And uh, before you ask, because I know you will, and I'm going to be honest here, chemicals are chemicals. We all have more or less the same chemicals. It's just a question of how they're being used, whether you're using the right ones, and have the people been trained correctly on how to use them. Right. And I think that, you know, when, when, when we look at that forming that team and the team that starts kind of facing the external, you know, interfacing with somebody like yourself or whoever they're buying chemicals from, and then transitions to understanding that those chemicals work within a context. And that context is your facility, your people and your processes. Right. And when you have a chemicals program, and a sanitation program that creates results within the context of facilities, people, and process, so then all of a sudden you understand that investing in your chemicals program is exactly that. It's an investment. It allows you, you know, nobody looks at all of those people at 6.30 in the morning when they're like, why am I not cutting meat right now? Because they have to go do a reclean, right? Like we forget that if we invest in doing that overnight swing shift or even if you're doing second second shift sanitation doing that well the first time you do it 
is an investment, but it, but in order to make that investment, you got to like, people got to understand like you, it's, the returns are an immediate, not do it right the first time. And that's okay. Cor- correct. And, you know, it, it kind of goes back to one of the things that, that our company does. Um, and I'd like to say I was involved with this, but this was done well before my time is we have a seven page service report that we do. And that seven page service report goes to anybody in the company. And the majority of my companies, it goes to the owner, the plant manager, the production manager, quality control, sanitation, and anybody else they may want. And that, that is the conduit to ensure that we're all on the same page. And the other thing that I do is a week before I'm gonna come in to do my service, I send everyone an email, that whole group, and say, I'm coming in. And then I may get an email from the plant manager saying, hey, I just wanna let you know that uh, you need to look at this when you come in because it's important to me. Like, do we have um, better flow of our processes? Do we need to look at that? Because that might be something he's looking at. Quality control may say, hey, you know what? Out of the last month, we've had three times we've had to reclean this piece of machinery. Can you come in when they're cleaning it and see if they're cleaning it correctly to the SSOP? Is the SSOP right? Is it wrong? Are they following it right, but it's not cleaning it? Uh, are they cleaning it a different way? Um, and then I report that all back in that report. So everyone's on the same page and we're all marching the same way because we have that service report. If we didn't have that service report and I just go in and, and take care of sanitation at night, I may not know that quality control is having issues because I don't see them when I'm in there. And, and all of a sudden, six months later, we have this huge issue where you know, I may be kicked out of the company because I haven't been doing my job and I didn't know it. So the real key to this is the communications to your point. And that service report does a great job because those bubbles you were talking about, right? You have production, you have QA, you have sanitation. The service report fits right in the middle of all of them. And they all get to see the things that are important to them. And then I find it really then, you know, then what happens is, is like you come in, you give the service report and then they bring me on in. And the questions I'm always asking is what went well, what went wrong and what are we gonna do differently? Because the reports, you and I know, we can vomit reports on people, but unless we use it to change and improve, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, the one thing I will say with the majority of my customers, and I think I have like, I don't know, 60 something customers now, um, is that they all look at the service report because I've ingrained them that this is their conduit to everything. And usually I would say um, like today, for example, if I was going to today, I might see eight customers. So tonight I'll do eight service reports. Out of those eight service reports, I may never hear from anybody until the next time I'm saying I'm coming in for, you know, for three or four of them. Three or four of them, someone's going to send me something back and say, okay, I either, I don't understand this or it's something we got to look into or we got to make a corrective action because obviously I'm not writing the corrective actions. I'm just explaining where the problem is. So then I get involved with those corrective actions. You know, what can we do different, better? Um, you know, do we need to have a foaming chemical instead of a flooding chemical? Uh, you know, uh, a good example now is organics. You know, what do we have to do all of a sudden? Because we're, you know, that's where I hear stuff from the plant manager you know, we're going to be organic certified in six months and we need to switch things over. What do we need to do? You tell us what we need to do and we're going to do it and you document it. So if you're looking at those service reports from an auditor, you can see that we talked about six months before, two months before we did this, then we did training, then it was done. So that auditor sees that this customer that they're dealing with um, 
or their client, I should say, is following a process. It's not, oh, we got to get this done tomorrow because the next day we have an audit, which as you know, a lot of customers tend to do. Um, it's very important to show that process of whatever you're going to work on, there's a process through it. And sometimes, you know, some of my customers, I'm not going to lie, they don't see that. They don't understand that you need to not jump through a hoop today. You need to work up to jumping through that hoop slowly and following that process. And it does always come back to the process and then just executing. Because I find a lot of people, you know, it comes down, especially in sanitation, it comes down to doing pretty good execution and to and to tolerating. I mean, I tell people, you know, like you want to succeed in, in food manufacturing, learn to tolerate boredom, right? Yep. Yep. Because just it's it's not everything is intrinsically interesting, but what I find beautiful. And maybe I'm the only person that finds beauty in sanitation. I don't know. <laughs> but what I find beautiful is when everybody's doing the right thing the right way, every time they do it and the system is working efficiently and, you know, like the, the I'm, I work in a lot of meat and fish and dairy and, and the, the, the floor, like the, the manufacturing floor is set for everybody to come in. <laughs> Right? Yep. And it's such, I mean, you tolerated boredom, but that feeling feels so good. <laughs> I've accomplished, I, I like to say it, it's like setting Thanksgiving dinner, right? You, you've set Thanksgiving dinner. Now everyone's going to come in and in three minutes, they're going to destroy everything you did. Um, but you need to have that table set to start off with. Um, right. And, and, you know, one of the things that uh, I always talk about, too, is that the training is very hard now with sanitation teams because they speak multiple languages. Sure. Um, I have one customer that has uh, 12 languages. So, you know what? The only way you can train them is by showing them. And that's just so mm -hmm. people relevant, right? Um, you're not going to translate into 14 languages, especially if you have one person from Poland and they may leave tomorrow because they're a temp worker. So you've got to show them. And, and, you know, that's the thing where we really separate ourselves is we will go in. That's why I said, we'll go in when you're cleaning and, you know, a week ahead of time. Hey, I want to let you know, I got these two new people and they speak whatever language and can you come in and help show them how to do it? Because we show them, they're not going to listen to us, right? We're, right. we're big brother, we're not going to listen. But if you come in and show them, it means something to them. They see someone coming in at two in the morning that doesn't belong here. Um, they're investing time. So we should listen to them. Um, and I think, you know, that, that those little pieces fall apart a lot. And that's why a sanitation crew will have bumps in the road is because they don't have someone that's doing that for them. Um, let's be honest, quality control who works maybe 10 or 12 hours during the day is not going to come back to in the morning to show them how to do something. And I understand that they need sleep. Too. Right. Yeah, no, I get that. But I often, and then this gets into some of the cultural conversations that we have about sanitation. I mean, I will, I tell people that, that your single most important person on your production floor is your production sanitation person. Because that person is the one that is the eyes and ears of your production floor. They know when stuff is hitting the floor because they're the ones picking it up. They're the ones going behind and have the ability to do all of those observations. But we never promote into production sanitation. We never talk about promoting into sanitation. It's like, okay, everybody's got to like grind through the grud of sanitation. 
but without a sanitation program that is creating results for the company, uh, your company has no results. Correct. And you know, onto that, a lot of my customers get very upset when they lose their best sanitation worker because production sees he's the best sanitation worker. He'll be the best production worker. And guess what? Production always wins. So they end up losing that person to production and now sanitation is hurting. And it's one of those things where, to your point, you get, you get uh, promoted out of sanitation, which really should go the opposite way. You should get promoted out of production into sanitation, but people don't see it that way because no one wants to clean. Let's be honest. I mean, I would not want to be a sanitation worker my whole life. I don't want to get sweaty. I don't want to get wet. I want to be able to see through my glasses. Uh, it's the same thing day in, day out. So we should really respect the people who love to do it. There are many, many people out there that love to do that job. They love it. Um, and I, and I, I admire them and I tell them all the time when I see them, I say, you know, I really appreciate you being here from month to month because it makes my life a lot easier compared to sure. having to train someone every month. Um, but we don't, we don't, we don't work at it that way. We look at sanitation as the lowest rung of the ladder within a company. And I think we lose the human potential. You know, I'm all, I, you know, I, it's, it's, it's super interesting because we work in food manufacturing and, and there's a, you know, not to bring like a Rodney Dangerfield sort of aspect to it, but the, I don't get no respect. Right. You know, but I mean, everybody wants to eat <laughs> and, and the, the, the tolerance for all of the spinning plates, you know, that's one of the things when I'm doing two o'clock observations, because I definitely go to plants at two o'clock in the morning to watch people clean when I'm auditing them and, and when I'm helping them like fix problems and things like that. And sure, it seems like you could think about sanitation as just doing the same thing the day in and day out. But the truth is, is that you can go to a same company, do sanitation at two or three o'clock in the morning every day for a week, and you will still see something new every single solitary time. Yes. It yeah. is a physical challenge, but it is much more mentally challenging than most people give it credit for, you know, and your overnight sanitation team lead is like the web that holds your morning together. Correct. Correct. And I will say that when we go in to survey a customer, a new opportunity, we try to go in two different nights um, because we know we'll see different things different nights. Uh, they may have run long. They may have run short. Uh, they may have done a different product. Uh, it may be a different person that's cleaning it because they change different people around to try to keep them going, you know, that they're interested in what they're doing. Um, and then all of a sudden you see two people cleaning the same machine two different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, one of them is doing it incorrectly to an SSOP, or maybe both are, but they both aren't doing it the right way. Um, and just recently, I was in an account where one person was cleaning this piece of equipment different than I had ever seen before. I said, how long does it take you to clean that? He goes, two hours, never get a hit. I said, well, the other guy takes four hours. He goes, yeah, he does it different than I do. We'll come to find out the other gentleman was following SSOP. This gentleman find an easier and quick, quicker, quick way to clean it and got no hits in the morning. So guess what? Quality, you need to change the SSOP to what this gentleman's doing. Um, and that's the part that's missed by the, uh, even the supervisor that's there at night. He has so many other things to worry about. He can't be auditing them to see how they're cleaning. And that's why you need those fresh eyes to come in and look at it. 
Um, I always challenge a plant manager. You want to see how your plant's doing? Come in and spend a night. Just get a stool, sit in a corner, and watch them all, all night and see what's going on. Um, you'll have a better respect of how your plant is clean and ready to go in the morning or why it's not. And one of the biggest issues out there, and I'm sure you hear this a million times, cleaning comes in at 11 p.m. and works till 6 a.m. Oh, when do you start cleaning? Oh, we can't start cleaning till three or four because they're running late. I can't help them with that, right? Um, and then they get mad because either they're not cleaned in time, so they're losing production time in the morning, or they're getting a lot of hits because they had a, excuse my word, half-ass it to get it done because they're missing time. For whatever reason, there's a lot of legitimate reasons why they would run late, right? But a lot of times we forget that in that equation when we get mad the next morning when they're not ready to run, um, and it makes it very hard. Or one of the other ones that happens a lot lately, well, we don't want to pay overtime, but we need to run late. So we're sending production home. We're going to put the, the sanitation crew onto production for the last two hours running late, and then they can start cleaning. Wow, that's a choice. Yeah, and that happens a lot. <laughs> And, you know, so now you've got people that are producing that should be cleaning that may not know how to produce correctly. Or, uh, you know, as the saying goes, if you have someone in production clean, they're not going to do as well because they want to go home. Um, yeah. Those people kind of resent that. They're there to do one job and they're doing a different job. And now they don't have a good attitude rest of the night. Um, and those are legitimate things that need to be addressed. Don't have the answer. If I did, I'd have a million dollars. But there's something that we need to look at when people are actually cleaning. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And it all, you know, like everything, you know, we talk about facilities and I, I, I lump equipment into that um, processes, but people like managing, managing sanitation is a process of managing people and, and being a leader of people so that you can effectively get your product out the door. And it's tough for people to remember that. Ugh. Yeah, sometimes. Yes. Like and we really need to train leadership and sanitation. Uh. Correct. And like I said, you know, everybody is focused on their jobs. Um, and that's okay, because that's what they're paid to do is focus on their jobs. So you have production focus on production, you have sanitation production on sanitation. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of times these people don't really um, know what the other person does. You know, they think they know what they do, but they don't know. No one's ever actually job shadow each other to understand and have more respect for that other person. You know, um, I've seen numerous times where there's a sanitation worker during the day, right? He's taking care of the cardboard or the trash while they're running production. And people will just throw things on the floor so the trash can because that's their job. No, it's your job too. And so they don't really understand that that person isn't their servant to do whatever they want that they're trying to do a job that's very critical, but they don't understand that because they don't understand really what that other person does and how critical their job is to them um, and making sure that they do everything safe. And let's be honest, do you really want a sanitation worker to pick something off the floor if they don't have to? No. Right. You got all kinds of issues of chances of something bad happening to that product because of that. But that worker who's on that line doesn't understand that. And that all gets back to that all gets back to training. Yep. Which is training, the first thing I culture, mentioned. food safety, culture. First thing I mentioned, the biggest thing that people aren't doing is training, uh, especially now during right. COVID. Uh, COVID makes it a real issue for training right now. How do you get training? So, you know, I'm like, well, why don't we go outside and train? We can't be in the conference room. Let's go outside. Let's go in the warehouse. 
you know, let's do mini trainings instead of an hour long, let's do it 10 minutes, you know, mm -hmm. you can get a lot accomplished in 10 minutes, uh, you know, hit the very important things and come back next month and do another 10 minutes. There's, there's nothing saying that you have to do that this half hour training has to be done in a half an hour, right? You can break it up if you need to be creative, but training is very important. And because of COVID, a lot of people use an excuse of, well, we don't need to train right now. Doesn't, you know, we, we have COVID, we can't be close together, so we're going to push it back. Hmm. Well, I would say as somebody who's revamping her training um, to be in much shorter segments, that delivering a 30-minute training in seven three-minute segments, uh, or seven, um, uh, seven, no, three seven-minute segments, yeah. to be 27 minutes, and then giving people time 30 seconds on the front and the back uh, to get their brains there is much more conducive to how adults actually learn. Uh, right. Just yes. because for a trainer, it's easier to do it in one 30 minute segment than in three seven minute segments doesn't mean that that's what our audience needs. Uh, correct. Exactly correct. And, and, you know, I always tell my customers, you tell me what you want and I'll figure out how to make it work. If, right. if we've got 10 minutes, Okay, great. You're going to give me 10 minutes and that's what you're going to give me. What are the most important things you want me to cover? And we'll get it done in that first 10 minutes because that's the first thing we should knock out. And then the next time we'll come back, we'll do something, you know, that's not as critical to you today that needs to be discussed, but not critical to you and what's going on in your plan today. Um, right. I think that's very important. And a lot of companies that I compete with are very stringent. We're going to do 30 minute training and that's the way it's going to be. We're going to watch a video and this is what we're going to do. Compared to me, I look at it as a restaurant menu. Tell me what we need. Let's figure out how we can do it. I know you've got, you know, you only have so much money that you can afford to do training, right? Because every time you take 10 minutes off the floor, they're not doing production. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so how do, we, how do we make this work so we can make everyone happy, right? You got to make the auditors happy. You got to make the owners happy. You got to make the, the people on the floor, make sure they're doing things right so they're happy. Um, me, it doesn't matter if I'm happy or not, right? I'm there for you. So you tell me how to get it done and I will get it done. I think that's amazing. Okay. And so with that, Leon, why don't you let us know how to get in touch with you um, and where we can go to find out more information. Sure. So the best thing I would say is go to rochestermidland.com, which you can see above my head there, um, which is Rochester, like the city of New York, Midland, M-I-D-L-A-N-D.com. Um, there's lots of things there. There's blogs, there's information. Um, if you want to get a hold of me personally, you can reach out by cell 207-838-3223, uh, or you can text me. I won't bore you with my email, but ultimately, wherever this may be seen may not be in my territory. So reach out to rochestermidland.com. There's phone numbers on the website, and we'll get a, a service person out to your area, a technical specialist. Uh, if it's in my area, I look forward to meeting you and seeing how I can help you. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been amazing to talk with you and like minds who understand how just how important sanitation really is. <laughs> thank you for having me. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert.